0: hello and welcome to real nutrition talk my name is olivia russell and i am the owner of a nutrition education business named intuitive dieta
1: and my name is Regan alexander i have my masters in nutrition as well as my personal trainer certification through the national academy of sports medicine in this podcast we
0: are going to dive deep into health wellness and nutrition debunking diet myths as we go in our current age of information, it's nearly impossible to find useful nutrition advice, and it's really exhausting listening to all the contradictions that exist.
1: That's why we're here. Follow along as each week we sit down to discuss a different topic in order to determine if it is diet trash or treasure. We're so glad you're here.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Yay. What are we talking about today, Olivia? Oh, we're talking about a topic that gets my blood heated because I've done way too much research on this and I took an entire course on nutrition history, so I know way too much about this topic also, but I'm very excited about it. I'm excited to talk about why cholesterol isn't the evil thing that everyone wants to make cholesterol be.
1: (laughs) I'm really excited about this topic. I always know when you text me that your blood is boiling doing research for one of these. I know it's going to be a great episode. Yeah. So I am, I'm along for the ride. Excellent. Well, to start off, I wanted to ask you, Regan,
0: since we're talking about fats and such, what is your favorite cooking fat? And is there something that you refuse to use in your cooking? Okay.
1: So I was thinking about this and I feel like I can't just pick one. So I'll tell you the three I always have sitting out, you know, by your oven. You have your little bottles. I have avocado oil because it's great for high heat cooking and roasting of vegetables, which I do literally every day. I really love a good extra virgin olive oil. I use that a lot. Not so much like for high heat cooking, but in baked goods or, you know, drizzling for salads, dressings, that sort of thing. Mm. And then I also have sesame oil because I do do a lot of like Asian type cooking and it just adds that little thing of flavor you need a lot. Mm. Those are my three that I purchase and repurchase and use.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Are there any like oils out there that you're like, absolutely not, we'll never touch?
1: The one that comes to mind for me is I try to, I guess I, I've never bought it, but I also try to avoid it in products if I can, and it's palm oil. But mm. that's just because it's so linked to loss of biodiversity and rainforest destruction. I just mm. find it unnecessary. There's other oils that can do the job and not ruin our rainforest, which are very necessary. Definitely. <laughs> How about you?
0: Um, I'm pretty similar. Avocado oil is my everyday use. Mostly because it's also tasteless, so you can kind of use it and everything. I also love butter. I know know you're vegan, so you don't use butter, but I use butter in a lot of things. Yeah. And while this might not be necessarily, quote unquote, the healthiest thing to do, brown butter, using brown butter and stuff like sauces, or I like to do brown butter basting for my steaks. Ooh. (laughs) Because flavor. It's yeah. all about the flavor. And so I really like butter. Although I don't use it as often as I do avocado oil, I will say. And then I like olive oil. I like flavored olive oils to finish a lot of food with. So not necessarily cook it, but I finish. Yeah. Reagan's nodding. That's fun. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I discovered a truffle olive oil that I love to finish a lot of my like, side dishes with because it just – I mean, who doesn't love truffle? Well, actually, I know a lot of people who don't like truffle, but I love truffle. Yeah. (laughs) For not using, I, for the longest time, refused to use vegetable oil, but I've discovered it's – I do fry food occasionally because I'm a foodie, so Mm -hmm. I – and avocado oil is expensive and while you yeah. can fry with avocado oil using a liter of avocado oil is like $30 so <laughs> no no thank you vegetable oil is usually my go to i try and find either organic or cold pressed but it's mm-hmm. not as accessible or as reasonably priced as regular vegetable oils but i won't i won't ever use canola oil i've heard too many things about canola oil and I don't ever use peanut uh, peanut oil because yeah. I'm always afraid too many people are allergic to peanuts now for me yeah to utilize it in my kitchen at all. Right. Like we eat it's nuts kind of, but
1: yeah my thing with oils is that there are really good ones that I can use so why do I need to go buy the canola you know other oils when other right. ones work just as good you know right Yeah, exactly. And I'm calling out my mother now to switch to avocado (laughs) oil. I've been trying to get her to switch for literally two years. My mom made
0: the switch to olive oil, but I'm like, you can't use that for high cooking. I know. And they still do. So I'm like, That's what my
1: mom uses. I'm like, you can't use that for high cooking.
0: (laughs) Whatever. But that's a story for another time. Indeed. The reason I ask about cooking oil and why I bring up Uh, vegetable oils in particular is because the vegetable oil companies are a huge proponent as to why we had the low fat craze in America. And it's also attached to uh, this man named Ansel Keys, which I need to make a t-shirt on why I hate Ansel Keys because (laughs) that's pretty much what this whole episode is going to be is my hate speech (laughs) against this man who basically ruined American nutrition. But let's start from the beginning, people. Yes, All the way back into the early 1900s. That's where we're going to (laughs) start. So as you guys might remember, if you listened to our Why We Hate Nutrition School or Why Nutrition School Ruined Our Lives... It's because nutrition science isn't infallible. Like, there's many holes, there's many issues with it. And that started from the beginning of nutrition science, because nutrition science started out skewed. The whole beginning of nutrition science started to have the most ideal soldier in World War I. And that's kind of where we went off. So, first problem, it was only on men. <laughs> The research only was on men and it wasn't diversified. It was mostly on white men, especially the ones who were going into war. And third, a lot of the research was funded by a lot of these bigger corporations that had a stake in how that research came about. And so a lot of the research ended up being quite skewed. And one of the kings of skewed research (laughs) is Ansel Keys. So we've mentioned him a couple of times. He's the one that did the Minnesota starvation study, which we keep saying we are absolutely going to do an episode on that because it's a fascinating topic, but not for today. Today, I'm going to talk to you about how Ansel Keys is the one who popularized cholesterol in food being the reason for heart disease, which we now know is false and not true. So I am going to preface this by saying a lot of my research was done reading a book called Fear of Food by Harvey Levinstein. I'll link it down below if you're ever interested. His books are super fascinating on the history of food. So I will preface this by saying I am slightly biased because I did a lot of my notes and annotations on his book, Fear of Food. But <laughs> one of my favorite ways he describes, I have to say this now because it's really funny. <laughs> the way he describes Ansel Keys is probably like one of the funniest ways he describes someone in here because he hates him just as much as I hate him. So in the beginning of, I think, the fourth or fifth chapter, he presents Ansel Keys, and this is how he describes him. A short, blunt, impatient man with a rather Napoleonic demeanor. So basically, he's like, it's this short guy who's super outspoken, nobody likes him, and he's got a Napoleon complex, also, just out <laughs> add on. Oh, no. But he is very prevalent in a lot of research, and... A lot of his research was popularized because he became really close friends with this guy named Dr. Paul Dudley White, who at the time in the mid-1900s was one of the most prevalent cardiologists, and he was in fact the personal doctor for President Eisenhower, and that's kind of how he got his name, and then him and Ansel became buddies, and started hanging out in uh, sou- southern Italy, where Ansel was quote unquote doing his own research, but really he was doing research on vacation with his wife. Sounds about right <laughs> <laughs> and so him and Dr. White are buddies, and so Ansel Keyes comes out with this study that he did in while he was vacationing in Italy and kind of like the southern part of the European continent. And he took a bunch of blood samples from an array of Italians and people from Spain and tested their cholesterol levels. Now, when he got the results back, the conclusion was that those who ate higher fat foods had higher cholesterol. And at the time, a lot of scientific, I like to call them alphabet agencies, so like the AMA, the HA, the NIH, Mm -hmm. all the letters, you know, they were really pushing this idea that cholesterol in your blood comes from food, which we now know is not true. Only about 20% of the cholesterol in our foods is actually digested and goes through our bloodstream. The rest is just digested and goes through our system. And actually the other 80% is made in our body, either through our intestines or our liver. Yeah, but this is the beginning of science. It's also the beginning of like the the marketing golden era of America. Like marketing companies had just discovered that they can say whatever the hell they want on their products and get away with it, because at the time there was a lot less regulation. So yeah, it's like the
1: beginning of greenwashing.
0: Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So they started, you know, promoting eat less fat, whatever. And then Ancel Keys comes out with this quote unquote research that basically proves that if you have a high fat diet then you have high cholesterol and if you have high cholesterol then you have a higher chance of heart attack which as I'm saying it out loud probably sounds really logical because that's what we've been fed our entire lives because this cholesterol war has been going on from the 1950s and is still currently going on despite research coming out (laughs) so his research comes out he's like yep without a doubt Our food is the problem. (laughs) And Dr. White, remember the personal doctor to the president, was like, this man knows what he's talking about. This man is a genius. My BFF. Yeah. My BFF knows all. Everyone should listen. None of their research, however, took into account the amount of smoking people were doing at the time. None of them took into account the fact that corporate stress jobs were at peak at this time like wall street corporate jobs was in that's where everyone was at but those are really high stress jobs compared to what people were previously doing which was mostly farming and like small businesses Mm -hmm. and they also didn't take into account that our sugar consumption skyrocketed at the time because a rich man's diet is high in sugar because sugar is expensive And this is like the golden era of America. Everyone had access to sugar, beef, all these things that people didn't necessarily have access to before. Now, like all of America, of course, I'm saying this without including a lot of the minorities because we know that was already an issue. But in the golden era of the U.S., Mm -hmm. the wealthy man
1: was everyone. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like when processed food started to become more of a thing, too. Exactly. Chemicals were starting to be
0: introduced into our food system because we were able to afford the science and we had the technology from war to start mm-hmm. testing all all of these things. And so, but they ignored that. Ansel Keys was like, nope, it's only fat. It's the only issue. Everything <laughs> else, not a problem. Ironically, he also was not a supporter of the idea that obesity was a problem either. In fact, he completely disregarded that as an issue. Obesity was not an issue in him. It was just the food that we were getting, the fat from food that people were eating. Which I think is really interesting because this is also the era of dieting and where obesity became kind of like the... They were starting to have a war on obesity, where if you were a heavier person, then you obviously weren't taking care of yourself, and you obviously had an issue with eating too much, even though, again, we know now is not the cause of obesity at all. (laughs) So, back we're, we're going back to Ansel Keys and his studies, and Dr. White. Dr. White started promoting all of Ansel's stuff, and the media... At the time, this was also like the peak of media being able to do whatever the hell they wanted. And so the media latched on to him because Dr. White saved Eisenhower from his cardiac, his original cardiac event, and then started (laughs) preaching the low-fat diet. Like, oh, that's what we need to do, low-fat diet. Didn't tell the president to stop smoking and drinking. No, he told them to please stop eating sausages. (laughs) My gosh. and. But the media like latched onto this. And as we see these days, the media has so much control over public opinion. And public opinion eventually also directs research and also directs the biases of research, which is exactly what we saw with this. A lot of the research that was coming out actually disproved that cholesterol from the diet was an issue. A lot of the research was coming out that smoking was an issue. A lot of the research was coming out that sugar intake was an issue, but that wasn't popularized. What was popularized was the low-fat diet, so much so that people started going to doctors to discuss with them how they can lower fat in their diet. Now, oh, I'm going to try not to go on a whole thing about also how medicine was skewed at this time this is when like the beginning of pharmaceutical companies and medicine being monopolized by quote-unquote medical professionals rather than people going to see their local like apothecaries thank yeah, you yeah yeah okay <laughs> That's what I was thinking. you're welcome <laughs> um people started They started popularizing going to the doctors and in order for the doctors to also continue to make money, they saw them promoting this low-fat diet idea and they were like, ooh, food is not something we have a monopoly on right now. So in order to get people to continue to come to us for their quote-unquote medical issues like chronic heart disease, we start telling people, yes, the low-fat diet is the way, but under medical observation so people had to start going to the doctor in order to be on this low fat diet and getting low fat diet recommendations from the doctors the doctors of whom had no responsibility to pay attention to research like we have it's a little bit better now like doctors are supposed to be paying attention to research and even now we still see issues with this but back then they didn't have to really pay attention to research it was basically whatever they thought was. Right was right. And since the media popularized this idea of the low-fat diet and because people were so excited and enamored with this idea that, oh, all I have to do is take something out of my diet in order to get this health result. And again, we see this all the time these days, Mm -hmm. even though we know this is not true. We know that your health is determined by a plethora of other things besides just your diet your diet is important of course Reagan and I are nutritionists we're going to promote the fact that your diet is important however it is not the only thing and taking one individual thing out of your diet does not impact it so they didn't know this at the time or they did know this but it was a lot more lucrative to promote something like this. Well, it was lucrative for the vegetable oil companies and lucrative for the grain companies because then they were able to use in all of their advertising saying, oh, heart healthy, oh, no cholesterol, oh, you know. Think of any of the advertising. Heart healthy. I just think of Cheerios. Yes. Whether it says had the heart healthy heart, which they're no longer allowed to do. There's not like
1: regulation on stuff like that. You can just say it.
0: Yeah. Especially then. There was no Mm -hmm. regulation. The FDA surprisingly did try to regulate this. They started tamping down on people making health claims like that, but the FDA had only control over drugs at the time. I mean, they still mostly only have control over drugs, but the, the FTC was actually the ones that were, supposed to be regulating things that were saying health claims on food products and they weren't because they were also making a lot of money on these companies who basically helped fund them so like the grain companies like the oil companies but the this is where the dairy and beef and egg companies tried really hard to fight back because the low fat craze was basically like take red meat out of your diet don't eat more than three eggs a week don't drink dairy unless it's skin milk because all of the fat <laughs> is gonna give you a heart disease
1: I think it's funny that even to today people are like if they want to manage their cholesterol immediately no eggs yeah they're <laughs> always the ones that are targeted <laughs> which which was actually part of a huge campaign that
0: utilized keys keys was a major player in that whole campaign against using eggs but he didn't start that way in fact his first recipe slash diet book that he put out which was called eat well and stay well had eggs like three eggs a day and plenty of meat all the time but he changed his tune with the popular media So, after 20 years of that book being out, he started being like, oh, yeah, no more than three eggs a day. Oh, yeah, don't eat red meat. He basically, whatever was going to fund him, he was going to go for. And that's exactly how
1: research in the fat craze (laughs) kind
0: of went. Oh, my gosh.
1: So... Everyone missed my, like, 50 eye rolls that just happened (laughs) over the course of 10 minutes, but they happened. I know. Reagan's (laughs) being, like, my hype man over
0: here. I'm getting, like, so heated, and I'm like, yeah, she's rolling her eyes. She knows what I'm saying. (laughs) Anyway, continuing on with this, the scientific community actually didn't support Keyes. That's why, like, media was so helpful for him, because the science community was not helpful. In fact, they were like, we don't actually have scientific proof for anything that you're claiming in fact in the 1960s most of what they were researching was the two questions that keys supposedly had answered and the first question was do high levels of cholesterol in the blood cause heart attack and the second question was can high levels of cholesterol in the blood be mitigated by a low-fat diet and science overarchingly said no to both of these or not no but
1: There wasn't enough research. And I mean, just think of the times. One thing we take for granted now is you can go hop on things like PubMed or Google Scholar and read research with the internet that was like not accessible to your average everyday citizen back in like the 50s and 60s when all this is going on. So people are like, it's literally the media telling them, what the quote unquote research says.
0: Right, Times
1: Magazine was the
0: number one place people went to look for health information. And Times Magazine was a huge supporter of Ansel Keys, but was not a huge supporter of science. And media often skewed research for their own ends. So a lot of the cholesterol research was coming out and the conclusion was there was no definitive answer. But media would take out, and media still does this, but at least now you can go look at the research. Back then, people didn't go look at the research, so they were just taking quotes out of the research and saying that those were the conclusions when that was not the case at all. No. (laughs) And so more research comes out about cholesterol, and they start looking into the difference between HDL and LDL and some of you may know but some of you may not hdl is i hate using the word good but it's the quote unquote good cholesterol hdl is responsible for going out and collecting extra what's the like, non science word <laughs> i want to say triglycerides but basically yeah they go fatty out acids i don't know yeah they okay. go out and they collect excess fat uh, from the other molecule which is the ldl molecule which is the quote-unquote bad ldl and that's just because it's a denser form and therefore can cause more harm to your arteries the more you have out there which is what eventually causes a cardiac
1: event basically what is good is having the right ratio of ldl to um, hdl it's not you got to have as much hdl as possible right But
0: that is new research. They were just discovering that in like the 1970s, which really, Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of science, was not that long ago. That was like a very short time in history. And they had just started learning about it. Again, another thing, another part of science, Ansel Keys just completely ignored. He was like, nope, don't believe in that. Don't agree. Don't want to (laughs) be, don't want to research that anymore.
1: I just want to go back to southern Italy on vacation. Thanks.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. He all the money he made from all of the media, he actually went and bought property in <sighs> Naples. that's like what he used all his money for, was to actually go live in Naples. Yet he continually was part of media in the US. And we know Italy is not the same as the US. And oh my gosh, that was Take another him out. Yeah, that was another big issue with a lot of his research. Uh, another big research program that he did that a lot of people know is the Seven Countries Study. In fact, I think there was a new Netflix series that came out that basically reutilized his research for it. I want to say it was like the Hundred Countries something. They went around I know to what you're find, talking about. Yeah, they went around to try and find the healthiest diet possible, which... Mm, we could do a whole nother episode on why that is an issue. <laughs> but
1: Biodiversity. That's why it's an issue. <laughs>
0: yeah. Biodiversity and also like genetics, right? Yep. People in the U.S., their genetics are entirely different. And their digestive system is entirely different than someone in the south of France. <laughs> we digress. <But> we digress. <laughs> so another big issue with research was... This was the introduction of nonprofit health organizations like the American Heart Association, like the NIH, the National Institute of Health. Those were not government agencies. They eventually became funded by the government, but they didn't start that way. They became, they started as nonprofit health advocacy groups, or AKA food fear mongers because that's basically what they were especially the american heart association is one that i have a very big issue with because they're not regulated by anyone but who those who fund them and so at this time the american heart association was having a grand old time supporting the low fat diet because it also gave them a lot (laughs) of media attention because people are like oh yeah these people are supporting health they're promoting a healthy diet they're and to be fair a lot of the people in these advocacy groups were trying to do the right thing but mm-hmm. because media had such a control over how science was interpreted and a lot of pieces of science were being ignored those people were also misinformed. So it became this whole cycle of misinformation being spread further and further and further to the point where, like I said, doctors were literally, like their end statement at every doctor's appointment was like, oh yeah, and you should go on the low-fat diet to help with heart health. (laughs)
1: Uh, (laughs) Them and their 10 hours of nutrition education. Right, you can see why...
0: My blood pressure just skyrocketed. (laughs) So that brings me to another point. This was lucrative, like very lucrative. The vegetable oil companies had a huge, huge spike in sales. I think I wrote down the statistics somewhere, but like in like one year, sales went up like 20%, which if you know anything about marketing is like an insane spike in Mm -hmm. sales. Well, at the same time, really big companies that were really important to the American economy, like the beef companies, like the dairy companies, like the egg companies, got hit super hard with this. But it was like a complete alteration in how our economy functioned because the Wall Street also was supporting this low fat craze and so wall street was putting a lot of their investments into these other big companies like the vegetable oil companies like the grain companies because that's what popular that was what was popular there so you can see how nutrition gets really skewed in this way and it persists in like a crazy way because media maintains these they persist with these claims despite research coming out saying otherwise. Now, we live in an age of information, so the idea of this persisting for 50 years kind of seems insane when we can now look up the research. We didn't have stuff like that back then. <laughs> mm-hmm. So media's got this huge control. Ansel Keys is on the top of the world right now. But introduce this man named John Udkin, who was also a nutrition researcher. And he is the one that actually brought up the point that carbohydrates, specifically sugar, is the cause of heart disease. And like I said, in the 1900s, sugar really became a big thing in the U.S. because it became so accessible to everyone and it was so cheap because the U.S. had such a monopoly on sugar production in on sugar plantations that everyone could have sugar. They put sugar in everything. Sugar just became yeah. part of the American cuisine. It went in everything.
1: So I know, like, obviously, it's becoming more accessible, but mm-hmm. is also part of the reason since people are trying to remove fat, they need it for flavor. So <laughs> this is this is
0: why we're all, we're all going to culminate this with why okay. the U.S. is. Got screwed by Ansel Keys. But so, yes, once people started decreasing fat out of their diet, they had to add sugar because exactly what you said. If you don't have fat, you don't have flavor. And in order to get more flavor, you need to add either salt or sugar. <laughs> and so, this was also a time people were sitting a lot more often. Like, desk jobs became quite normalized. By the 1970s, I think it's like 70% of US jobs was an office job of some sort. And so not only did the sugar consumption increase, but also we were sitting more. We weren't moving as often. And this guy, John Udkin, did something that it ruined his career in the fact that it went against popular notions. But he basically wrote an entire article that was like a fuck you to Ansel Keys because Ansel Keys <laughs> sucked at using research. And so Ansel Keys used the, the WHO, the World Health Organization, database to basically make correlations. And I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but correlative studies do not equal causative
1: studies. It's the first thing you learn in statistics in right. college, Correlation does not equal causation. Yes, but
0: Keyes was notorious for doing this. So he was using the WHO's database to basically prove that fat in the diet is what caused higher cholesterol and in which case caused a higher rate of heart disease. However, Yudkin did this great article where he was like, if Keys had used all of the data from WHO, not cherry-picked the data from WHO, he would have, in fact, found that the consumption of sugar was a better indicator of heart disease than fat. And, in fact, an even better indicator of heart disease was the relationship between coronary deaths and the use of a radio or TV. And he used this to be kind of facetious because he was basically trying to state correlation does not equal causation. But he also, like, stumbled upon, you know, the causation of, like, people sitting more means that they tend to not be healthier. But Mm -hmm. he was saying it (laughs) facetiously in this article. Yeah. It's really funny. If you ever want to look it up, he – it it's written in old timey language so like you kind of have to deal with the dry humor of it but it's really funny because he's basically like Ansel Kiss
1: is the fucking idiot like <laughs> he really is and okay also you should link this book it's called i don't know who wrote it fat sugar and salt Oh, um, yes they talk they talk about shutting down john yukon like how can we shut him down it's this It's a book that kind of talks about the evolution of all these major food companies Mm -hmm. and how they pursue science that not only looks at how different formulations of salt, sugar, and fat affect our brain and how we taste the food, but Mm. also how they manipulated the diet culture depending on the time to their formulas of their foods to fit so-called health claims.
0: Exactly. So you can puts out this this article, right, and is like an advocate that sugar is actually the thing we should be paying attention to. Sugar is what causes insulin resistance and insulin resistance is eventually what causes cardiac events because of the damage it does to our cardiac system. However, the sugar companies who were rolling in the dough making bank after bank after bank because people started adding sugar to their food since they were taking fat out. They were like rolling in the dough the sugar companies did not appreciate yudkin's (laughs) (laughs) argument that sugar was an issue and eventually basically convinced the university that he was working for to defund him and they basically were like you can either get fired or you can quietly retire from research and we'll we'll leave you with you know a stipend or whatever, which they didn't. They basically like left him to the wind. However, the egg companies who were like struggle bussing because everyone was like, no more eggs, can't eat eggs anymore, were like, oh, no, we need this dude. <laughs> we'll take you <laughs> we and to come. And so they actually hired him to do a tour around the US to talk about the dangers of the overconsumption of sugar. And basically, it became this whole scientific war of both sides being like, there's not enough evidence, but we have enough evidence, even though neither side (laughs) truly had enough evidence to prove either. Like, at the time, we now know that John Yudkin's idea was, in fact, more correct than (laughs) than the cholesterol war. However, they didn't have the scientific proof for either one of them at the time. And so... It was really easy for them to throw out that phrase of not enough evidence. <laughs> but it did it did show people an alternative perspective. And for like a really short, glorious moment, John Yudkin had his moment. And then he kind of just disappeared because, like I said, these giant companies, these giant sugar companies were like, absolutely not. And if you guys don't know, these giant sugar companies were... Basically donating money or fundraising money for government studies that proved that fat was the issue and not sugar. (laughs) So... John Udkin basically got kind of like shoved to the side and Ansel Keys continued to just be like the man of the hour and his research was utilized again and again and again by not only media but also those three letter alphabet agencies that I talked about. The AHA especially (laughs) was just like in love with him. And eventually that all trickled down into government policy. And actually, in the 1970s, they actually ended up making the what is it called? The nutrition guidelines, the government nutrition guidelines, like the RDA type things. Yeah, they actually promoted the low fat diet in legislation because it was so popularized, and they were they were fear mongering this coronary plague, as they called it. <laughs> And so it all kind of trickled into government things. And that's why it solidified itself for so long in our society is because not only did media push it, not only was it popular in the public eye, but also the government finally like added it in to legislation to the point where they were also recommending a low-fat diet to everyone.
1: <laughs> I genuinely hope that listeners are as... Annoyed, (laughs) aggressively annoyed about this as we are. (laughs) Because I'm about ready to throw punches. (laughs) Anyway, so
0: that brings me to how cholesterol actually works. Because I would actually like to share with people how cholesterol works. So we can, even though in our current day and age, everyone's really going after carbohydrates and we're starting to like reintroduce fats, but there's still this whole concept that cholesterol equals bad that most people still think is true when it's actually not so the way cholesterol works first of all dietary cholesterol comes from animal products but it also comes from oils but animal fats in particular tend to have more saturated fats and that's another big thing people are like can't have saturated fats in my diet but Saturated <laughs> fats do have a place in your diet and actually can help promote the production of those quote unquote good cholesterols, HDL. So the way cholesterol works, you actually produce 80% of your cholesterol from carbohydrates and protein, not fat. And our body utilizes those to do everything. Cholesterol is really important because it oh, it's hard to like not get too scientific with it but cholesterol basically is a bunch of these molecules that go around your body and do everything from create hormones to maintain cell structure to some of it turns into energy. We use cholesterol to shunt fat throughout our whole body, and we need that. Now, Mm -hmm. the cholesterol that we get from our diet does not directly go into our bloodstream. It's not like eat fat and then fat diffuses into our blood system. Our body has to break it down and it turns it into triglycerides, which eventually are turned into fatty acids, which are utilized for all the things that I just said. But those triglycerides, we don't have a lot of free triglycerides just roaming around in our body like I feel like I hear that a lot, like fats just like floating around. But in order for fat to be shunted throughout the body, it needs to be attached to a protein. And those proteins are the HDLs and the LDLs. And those are what go around. Now, HDL, like I I said before, saturated fat is actually really important in the production of HDLs. In order for us to have the right ratios of those HDLs and ldls we do need saturated fat in our diet so saturated fats like butter like beef (laughs) like eggs are all very very important to the structure and function of our body so don't be afraid to use them i will say and i will support organic grass-fed butter and meat and eggs will always be the better choice That has less to do with the composition of the cholesterol and more to do with the chemicals that are injected into the food of the animals that make these products. So, if possible, organic, grass fed, grass finished is always going to be better. However, eating butter is not going to skyrocket your cholesterol unless you're eating like a stick of butter a day, which I don't think most people are. And if you do it occasionally, again, not that big of a deal because I don't think you're eating a stick of butter every day. <laughs> <laughs> I will say occasionally I make my mashed potatoes with an entire stick of butter, but I'm also not eating the whole five pounds right. of mashed potatoes in one sitting. So so yeah, I wanted to just explain the history of like the low-fat craze, mostly to just show that nutrition science can be really skewed and can really be affected by media presence and so if you're looking at something and they're telling you to go on the low-fat diet understand that it comes from this really twisted history of how the science of fat was basically taken over by the media in order to promote certain companies like the sugar companies like the oil companies like the grain companies And that fat has a very important place in your diet. Cholesterol in particular has a very, very important place in your diet. And you need it in order for everything to function properly. So over-consuming it, just like anything. Everything in moderation, right? Mm -hmm. If you're over-consuming fat, then yes, you are going to get issues. But it's not because fat digests to fat. It's because fat will dysregulate a lot of other things that eventually turn into issues. But same could be said for carbohydrates. If you overconsume yeah. carbohydrates, same issue. You get insulin resistance and then you get issues. So, mm-hmm. my whole spiel, really, <laughs> my whole 45-minute <laughs> discussion on the history of fat is really just to like show people to be wary about anything that is going too extreme and even if they say quote unquote science approved like science has proven that might not necessarily be the case it could just be they're either skewing what the science has said or they are using science that was funded biasly funded specifically for that result Mm -hmm. and to be wary what we do know is you do need fat in your diet All the fats, not just one or the other. You need saturated fat. You need unsaturated fat. You need polyunsaturated fat. You need monounsaturated fat. All of them because they all have a place in your system. And some people do better with more. Some people do better with less, which is why I will not put a percentage on anything. I will say 50% of your diet probably shouldn't be fat. Just like... (laughs) Eighty percent of your diet shouldn't be carbohydrates, but it's okay to eat butter. Really, that's what this whole thing was about. Please don't. It's not okay to eat butter. butter. Yeah. <laughs> Please eat butter. Oh my like...
1: gosh. <laughs> our <laughs> unofficial catchphrase of our podcast is "fat equals flavor." Yes. <laughs> so. Yeah.
0: T-shirt's coming soon because I'm
1: absolutely making a T-shirt yes. that says that. <laughs> and it's really fascinating all this. This whole episode in general because we're entering into an era especially of nutrition research of people realizing things like this and how it was very either monetarily driven, media driven, not actually health driven research. So if you find yourself doing research on nutrition, it's always important to check if the study was funded by different, like who funded the study, looking at the group studied, and then also looking at how they analyze the data, and if, and if you don't understand what we say when they say skew the results, you can always like quickly Google and YouTube like how changing the statistics of different results can drastically skew the results presented. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah,
0: yeah, even how the hypothesis is or the thesis statement is presented can wildly skew the results. So it's not simple, which I know everyone hates because everyone wants it to be black and white, but it's not. But that's not why we did this podcast. Exactly. (laughs) We did this to show you like the real stuff. This is the genuine history of fat in the past 150 years. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't honest (laughs) and it was very biased and very skewed but now we do have research that is actual actually showing real results because we have standards to which science is now held up to but again media is not held up to the same standards influencers are not held up to the same standards so always be wary of who's saying what and even if they're saying that they have scientific evidence behind it, mm. super quick side tangent. <laughs> Healthline. I did an entire research project on Healthline in our master's program because they are notorious for they they say peer reviewed. Like you, they'll they'll make a claim and then next to it they'll have a little blue highlighted letter for the research and then if you just hover over, it'll say peer-reviewed PubMed. However, if you actually click on all of them, because I did this multiple times, half the time that research does not say anything about what they're claiming. And a lot of the times the studies will actually say the opposite of what they're claiming. So even places like Healthline, can be dangerous if you're basing everything on. They have good information yeah. sometimes. I'm not gonna discount that. Sometimes they they're do. They're good.
1: It's like, like they're a good starting spot to find research. Right. Exactly. Which I did do in
0: our master's program. I would like oh, look yeah. up the Healthline thing, and then I would look at all their research, and then I would do all my research based off that research.
1: <laughs> yes. Because then you're in an article, and then it links other articles, and then it links more articles. It's like a rabbit hole. It is. It truly is. But
0: guys, don't be afraid of fat. She's good for you. <laughs> Cholesterol Thanks, is not the end of the world. It's not going to no. kill you. Cholesterol does not equal heart disease at the end of the day. They don't equal the same. There's so many other things that can cause heart disease in our society, especially. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you, well, Olivia. Yeah. Thanks
1: for listening to me rant and ramble. <laughs> yes. If Okay. If you guys like this sort of thing, in a couple weeks, we're going to record a podcast that's just a generic Q&A podcast. So it can be, honestly, anything you have questions on. So it could be, hey, I heard this on, insert social media. Is it true? Any sort of nutrition question. Honestly, any sort of question you want to know about us or anything you want to know our thoughts on. We're going to do a fun sort of Q&A episode. So anything you think of, feel free to submit on Instagram or reach out to one of us if you know us. We would love to answer.
0: Yeah. And you can always ask questions. Uh, If you're listening on Spotify, there's a whole question section. Please feel free. We look at all of them and we try to answer them when we can. So. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope this was as interesting for you guys to hear as it was for me to talk about
1: (laughs) and rant about. I love a good Olivia rant.
0: Thank you so much. (laughs) Of course. All right, guys. (laughs) Have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Real Nutrition Talk with Reagan and I. If you love this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, tagged us in a story, or just left a comment or question on what you enjoyed and what you want more of. You can also follow us on Instagram with the links below in the show notes. Thank you again for tuning in and we'll see you next time.